0: So fortunate and blessed to have Miss Ginger to play Amen. that beautiful music for us. Amen. <laughs> uh, well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning uh, to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke and the uh, fourth chapter. We've been uh, in the in the Gospel of Mark, and Mark does have uh, the event that we're going to be looking at today. But Luke actually. Yeah. In his account uh, is a little more extensive and we're going to be looking at the message of God's love the message of God's love and and the uh, the synoptic Gospels which Matthew Mark uh, and Luke they all give an account of this particular uh, event in the life of the Lord Jesus when he uh, went back home in uh, early in his ministry and uh, as the scripture says, as his custom was to to go to the synagogue and uh, there speak and participate in in the worship service. But here in the gospel of Luke, Luke gives us the actual message. And uh, that message is found also in the 61st chapter in the book of Isaiah first a couple of of verses but let's go to the lord in prayer and then we will uh, read the scripture our father and god we come to you in the name of the lord jesus and we thank you praising you for your message of love and the messenger of the lord jesus christ and we thank you that you are the god of life the god of hope the god of forgiveness of compassion and mercy of patience and understanding the god of reconciliation lord as we look into your holy word today we pray that you be our teacher by your holy spirit touch our hearts our spirits our minds our lives illuminate our understanding And then, O Father, we pray that as your children, we would respond positively, willingly, devoting our lives to sharing your message of love with lost and hurting people and with one another, fellow believers. Thank you, Lord, for this place and thank you for what we've heard today. We thank you for Michelle and for all those who serve there at the Women's Resource Center. And we do pray, dear God, for your abundant blessing in providing them the resources that they need to continue this work and to grow, to grow in their facility and in their reach, to reach more mothers, fathers, families to save more babies. Again, Lord, we thank you for your compassion and for your presence. Speak to us now, to the glory and to the honor of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So there in uh, the Gospel of uh, of Luke, chapter 4, and beginning at uh, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord now we're going to end our reading here and we'll look at the next portion in an upcoming week but notice that in this message The lord jesus christ as he reads from the the book of isaiah now it was customary back in that time for two readings to occur in the synagogue services usually one from the law and then one from the prophets and we don't know if the um, specific section that jesus read from was scheduled to be read that day but nevertheless that's where he turned amen and as we mentioned, the, uh, the passage comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 and, and 2. And in his reading, Jesus actually only read a portion of the second verse in 61, dealing with the proclamation of the gospel, because the second half actually refers to his second coming and the judgment that is eventually going to come. And so he didn't read. He didn't read that portion. But notice that he gives glory to the Father. Glory to the Father. He makes it it known that he was sent by the Father. Jesus starts his ministry by proclaiming that his ministry is in fact divinely authorized and empowered by God the Holy Spirit. He says that he was anointed. Now, you'll recall that at the baptism, John was in the the River Jordan baptizing people and Jesus came to him to be baptized. And when Jesus came up out of the water, the voice of the Father from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible says that the the, the Holy Spirit came and lighted upon him in the form of a dove. Jesus was anointed and consecrated with a special purpose and mission. And we studied that mission this morning in our Sunday school hour. And let me just plug Sunday school. If, you, if, if you're not here at 9.30, you are missing out on a tremendous lesson every week. We studied this morning the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He came into the world to die upon that cross, to pay the penalty for our sin, but not just to die, but to be buried and then to be resurrected, amen? Because his resurrection, Demonstrates the power of God and God then declared all those who accept him as Savior justified, accepted as we'll get into more here. Now he's anointed, he's consecrated, he's commissioned and, and today we commission missionaries as they go out to serve. And uh, pastors and other ministers in churches are ordained and so are deacons ordained. They're commissioned, if you will, or consecrated to a specific purpose and a specific task. And Jesus was anointed. And notice the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, consecrated me, set me aside, if you will, for a particular, very specific task to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. The gospel is an Anglo-Saxon term which, which really means the good news. The good news. And there is good news in the gospel. The gospel in a theological sense includes the birth, the virgin birth, the miraculous virgin birth, the sinless life of the Lord Jesus Christ, his vicarious or substitutionary death upon the cross, his burial and resurrection on the third day, and then his eventual ascension back to the Father, and also the return and the establishment of his eternal kingdom. All of that is included in the gospel message. But the good news which Jesus is the good news, he is the message and he is the messenger, is that God demonstrated his love for us, for the entire human race, that even while we were sinners or or wicked, miserable failures, if you will, defiant, stubborn, selfish, you go on and on with that list, in spite of all of that, God sent His Son because He loved us. The message, and the messenger. Now, who are the recipients of the message? But notice, He's preaching the gospel to the poor. To the poor, and in the Greek and in Luke's writings, especially here in the book of Luke, and then also in in Acts, the word that is actually used refers to more than just an economic status or a low economic status. It also refers to a certain social status, moral status, spiritual, emotional, mental, even lacking, lacking knowledge, lacking wisdom, lacking understanding poor to the poor and then how about this term broken hearted and in, in some translations you have the word bruised for those who are bruised A.T. Robertson I love the way he, he, he describes this this the, the idea of being broken in pieces and life can certainly break a person in pieces can't it but yesterday our little granddaughter was over, and, and uh, she and our son, they, they left to go to the store, and they always leave the lights on, you know. <laughs> and so uh, so I was gonna turn all the lights off, so I was going through and, and turning turning the lights off, and uh, I had flipped off these uh, these uh, flip-flops that I had on, and, and I walked just a little too quickly and caught my little toe on my left foot, on the corner of this coffee table. Oh, oh. (laughs) And I tell you, I thought for a moment there that I broke my toe. You know, and I thought, no, no, I didn't didn't break (laughs) it. But it sure felt like it. Well, it's affecting me today. But that's nothing, really insignificant. Really insignificant when you consider the way that life can break to pieces an individual, and how that that choices in an individual's life can tear their life apart, and I'm sure that every single person in this room has experienced broken heartedness, the pain that comes, whether through the loss of a of a loved one or a poor choice that you've made, or the loss of a job, or the loss of a home, or whatever the case might be. How about the loss of your health? I'm reminded when Michelle was speaking, I was thinking of a, of a, a dear friend of mine who, who serves at, a, at another church. And she was sharing her personal testimony with me one day. And she said, that she had come to a point in her life where she was so broken that she was sitting at home on her bed with a gun ready to commit suicide. Because she hadn't had just one abortion, she had had several abortions. And she had gotten into drugs and, and just a complete, utter life of immorality that was so destructive. And she said, I sat there thinking, hi, I murdered my own children. And just before she was ready to pull that trigger, the phone rang. The phone rang and her, her sister was on the other end. And she, they entered into a conversation and she accepted Jesus as her savior in that moment. And he gave her, he gave her hope for a brighter tomorrow. She found wholeness. And today she has a daughter and grandchildren and a husband who loves her and, and ministers in the name of the Lord. The brokenhearted, the captives sin destroys it it handcuffs it and it costs it always costs more than people think it will cost them you've heard that that saying it will keep you longer and cost you more than you ever intended to pay and then of course sin blinds a person and and here jesus is talking about preaching the gospel the healing But the blind, and and again, the, the reference means more than physical blindness. Most importantly, it's referring to spiritual blindness. And sin both creates and exacerbates. It makes that spiritual blindness worse. The degree. And then the oppressed. And the Bible teaches that we can be oppressed by the evil one. And he likes to do it this way he likes to he likes to tell you just how terrible you are remind you of all of your failures the conscience the guilt it holds a person down troubles them robbing them of their joy of their peace and and vitality but remember that the message of the lord is the message of love the message of hope, the message of joy. So what difference does the message and the messenger make in the lives of the recipients? And of course we've said that the message and the messenger are one in the same. The pauper becomes a prince and a princess. So as as I look out on all of you today you are a royal family, amen? The Bible says we are a, a royal family. Now, when I was uh, in school, uh, studying, studying music and studying voice, and we would go to these master classes, et cetera, and these different people from all around the, the nation, you know, and uh, different uh, opera companies and such would speak to us. And this one lady, I remember she was, uh, she was up on the stage and she was talking about our posture, all right? our posture, and she said, you must remember that you are an opera singer. You are of a noble class, therefore, handle yourself in that manner. (laughs) I thought, isn't that something? (laughs) But remember that the Bible says we are, in fact, children of the King. Amen. We are a royal family. You, ladies, lovely and gorgeous and beautiful, the beautiful creation of God made in the image of God for both the male and the female were created in the image of God. You have tremendous potential. And you are all princesses. And all of you men, you are a prince, a prince for the Lord. The pauper becomes a prince. Amen? And broken hearts are mended. They're healed. They're, they're comforted. They're made whole. God is in the business of mending broken hearts, no matter how difficult or how painful. And remember that, that our complete and total healing doesn't occur until we end up in heaven yes we're forgiven here we're completely made whole in the spiritual sense but once this body goes into the earth it goes into the earth to never suffer again in heaven the wonderful fulfillment of god's promise to us we're never going to be sick again we're never going to stub our toe again amen we will know no pain in heaven. The captives and the oppressed are liberated. And the blind are given true vision. Purpose for living. A purpose for living. God. God gives us usefulness. He makes us useful. And he'll use us in the ministry of salvation. The ministry of, of sharing his love. You know, I think of, of S- Samson, the strong man, Samson. Because there are those who think that, uh, that you know, if, if they're an Olympic athlete, that now all of their issues and problems will be over with because they'll have fame, fortune, victory, right? The thrill of victory, hey, the agony of defeat, you, you've heard that. Or those who are extremely wealthy, they think that because they have enough money, all of their problems and issues can be dealt with. I heard just the other day that the billionaires, the, the Gates, they're right, and no judgment. Right? That's between the two of them and 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 God. But how 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 much money does it take to fold a family together? How much money does it take to hold a, a life together? But getting back to Samson, he was, he was so powerful, yes? But this dainty little lady, Delilah, through her through her deception and through her beauty, through her, her cunning, if you will, she deceives him and he wakes up one day and now his hair is shaved off and he's been bound, and also blinded. His eyes are burned out, because that's what sin does. Sin blinds a person, it binds them. And then, lastly, he was banished, because that's what sin will do if not dealt with. People will be banished eternally to hell. Now, how long will the message be proclaimed? Jesus said to preach the favorable or the acceptable year of the Lord. It's a statement that really refers to the season of grace. And we're living in the season of grace. The earthly ministry of Jesus was approximately three years. Then the ministry of the apostles lasted throughout the first century. But they're also part of of our ministry as, of course, the Lord is. Because the ministry of the church began there in the first century and continued throughout every century into today and will continue to do so into the future until the church, until the Lord calls the church back up into heaven. The age known as the age of grace or the age of the church. But remember that even during the tribulation time that's, that's to come, even during that period of time, people will still be getting saved. And they will still be getting saved by God's grace. Because God has always saved by grace. And as we've mentioned, people misrepresent the law. Even God giving the law was an act of grace. Teaching us the difference between right and wrong is an act of God's grace. Everything that God has given to us is given by His grace, by His love. And only God knows how much time is left. But we do know this. We are closer today to the Lord's return than we were yesterday, than we were last week, than we were last year. Now, also in keeping with this this passage here where Jesus says that he was anointed by the Lord to to preach the gospel this acceptable time, this this season of grace when you study the the 61st chapter in the book of Isaiah, the reference there is referring to the year of jubilee now sadly if you mention that, in most Christian churches today most of the Christians couldn't tell you what that means, or the significance of that year of jubilee. But if you were coming to Bible study on Wednesdays, you would know what that one means. Because you see, in the 50th year, seven years of, of seven, and then the 50th year, there was the year of release. It meant that all debts were cancelled. Wouldn't that be something if they did that here in the U.S.? Imagine, imagine the joy, right? And all property would go back, would revert back to its original odors. So that every family would retain, maintain the blessing that God had given to each individual family. I mentioned this to Cheryl the other day. I said, you know, the oppressed. Now, we live in the greatest country of the world. Tremendous blessing. But you know, there are are aspects of our government that are very oppressive. When you stop to consider that when you buy a house, we'll just use it, you you buy a house, you get taxed on the the amount that you you purchase the house for. Then every year you have to pay tax on the value of the house. And so as the value of the house goes up, you pay tax on it. Then you pay the house off, but you still have to pay tax. Even though the house is paid off, you have to continue paying tax on the value of that house. Then on top of that, you die and you leave it to your children. They then have to pay inheritance tax on the value of that house. And and most people don't know this, but... Legally, legally, you can give up to $15,000 in one year without having to basically report it and, and your children don't have to pay tax on it. But if you give more than that, they have to claim it on income tax and pay tax on it. Did you know that? And so, so the property that you, that you supposedly own the government continues to tax for posterity forever. You know what? That just isn't right. And then how about, how about your Social Security? Here they took it out of your check and you already pay tax on it. Then when you finally get some of it back, you have to pay tax on that too. Originally, it wasn't set up that way. That's oppressive, that's but only God knows how much time is left. Amen. <laughs> but that year of Jubilee, the canceling of debt, what Jesus was talking about in the gospel message, his preaching of the gospel, the canceling of our debt because we have a debt that we cannot pay. A debt that we cannot pay. He paid the price for our sins. He went to the cross and ate. It. So a question for each of us to ask as we bring our time to a close. And it's a personal question that we need to ask ourselves. What can I do to make a positive difference in the lives of others? Not, not me telling you or you telling me or anyone else. What can I do? One, ensure that you're a Christian. Ensure that you're a Christian. If not, accept him today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you look up these, these different passages here, I'd encourage you to do so. Over in Peter, he says, You need to make sure that you are, in fact, a believer. Don't just take it for granted. Make sure that you are a believer. And then over in Romans, right, we believe in the heart, but we, we confess with our mouth. Amen? That Jesus died upon the cross, was buried, and that God brought him back to life. And then secondly, pray, pray, pray. The book of uh, Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing. We can never pray too much. To continue to pray and, and then be empowered by God's Spirit. Devote yourself to the study of God's Word. Study to show thyself approved, the workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then it continues in the, in the third chapter that this, the, the scripture is inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, that we may be thoroughly furnished to all good works, and then become or continue to be a devoted and faithful disciple. And over in Second Peter, he talks about spiritual growth, being grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. It doesn't happen by itself. It's a choice that that's made. And lastly, share the message like this young lady did. She came and she she shared how that the Lord changed her life, and then how. She is being used of the Lord to change the lives and to transform and to touch the lives of other people with God's love. And remember this, that God is about life. Jesus came and gave his life that we might have life and not die. God cries out to the human race, why will you choose death and not life? Choose love. We're going to stand and sing the hymn of invitation. Remember that you share the message of the messenger, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. The message: Open my eyes that I may see. And as the Lord speaks to you, you come. You make your commitment to the Lord Jesus as we sing. <laughs> Amen. Hey.